Welcome to Talk is Jericho's The Pot of Thunder and Rock and Roll and the official home of the iconic Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Hope you're doing well. Uh, hope everybody out there is doing well. Listen, I got a new pet manatee. I named him Hugh and I just built him a little house. Yeah, it's a habitat for Hugh manatee. <laughs> That's terrible. That could be one of the all-time worst uh, Duff jokes ever, but I appreciate the effort, uh, even while he's on the road with Guns N' Roses. They're out all summer. Ticket info all across the United States at GunsNRoses.com. And Fozzie announced a huge new gig, our biggest show ever in Fozzie history. Spotlight on London, Friday, August 25th at the O2 Forum, Kentishtown. Massive Wagons and the Chris Barris Band will be joining us. Go to FozzyRock.com for all tickets. And if that's not enough music to rock your summer, Quarantine is doing a short tour as well. That's right, our 80s Kiss tribute. Non-makeup supergroup is finally hitting the road. Chris Jericho, PJ Farley, Kent Slusher, Joe McGinnis, and Charlie Para. We're kicking things off in Pittsburgh at Jurgles June 29th. Then Columbus, Ohio, King of Hearts, June 30th. Then Franklin, Ohio, JD Legends on July 1st. We're doing a killer VIP meet and greet as well. We play a private sound check for you. Answer some questions, take pictures, sign some autographs. It's going to be a great time. Come check out the Quarantine Tour, quarantine.com for ticket information. That's Quarantine with a K. All right, today on the show, I got Ricky Morton, one half of the legendary Rock and Roll Express, along with his son, up-and-coming wrestler Carrie, both wrestling on the indies these days, having matches in NWA and GCW. They talk about the indie scene and what it's been like for both of them. Ricky's also telling a bunch of great stories from his early days in wrestling. He's talking about the great feuds that rock and roll used to have with Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. We talk about the first time we met when I was just starting my career in Smoky Mountain Wrestling in 1994. Ricky talks about Bill Watts, Jimmy Crockett, and Dusty Rhodes. What it was like to be part of the NWA in the mid-80s. And he tells the story about the night he won the world title belt from Ric Flair and what happened right after. Plus, Kerry's talking about his time in the revamped NWA with Billy Corgan. He is uh, the junior heavyweight champion. Uh, lots of stuff going on. Father and son relationship here. Discussing the business in the uh, old days and in the new days. It's a great conversation with Ricky and Kerry Morton right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. All right, so we're here uh, in a place where I uh, started many years ago in a lot of ways, uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, and I'm with Ricky Morton and Carrie Morton. And we wrestled Freedom Hall many times in Johnson City with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. You know what, Chris? First of all, I want to say thank you for having me and my son on your show today. Uh, we was just talking earlier here in Johnson City. Uh, this was the big deal after... NWA, you know, because I, I was never hired by WCW just for a little while. Uh, and when Robert came back from being hurt, we left. You know, I was part of the York Foundation. But see, that's when we came. And I've been living here ever since then, wow. since, since Smoky Mountain. Uh, I, uh, and of course, it was the last of the territories, and it was a small one. And, it, and I loved every minute of it. I loved it be it a part of that mm -hmm. that's the first time i met you you're just, right. a, young kid. just a young kid and uh I, I was gonna ride to a show with him and it's a middle of summer and he has no air condition in his car and i asked him why he said i'm from canada we don't have air conditions in our car it's cold i remember i was with you guys giving your ride and i was like after the show i was like where are we gonna eat you're like eat you buy a pack of beer and you get on the road go to the next town you don't eat and i was like <laughs> 
You're supposed to eat after the show. We're, we're body guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like you said, though, it was, a, it was a great learning experience for young guys to come through. And like you mentioned, the last of the territories, I think that generation, my generation, was the last that got to do the territory work. Well, I got you there, Chris. And you stop to think about this right here for a moment. I'm five decades of professional wrestling. You know, I started in late 79. And I went through territories, but you see, I changed with it. Well, I got a son here at Wrestles. What do you think? I mean, yeah. I'm a, uh, you know, I have to stay up to par, right? Especially with the thing of training. But see, and a lot of people don't know this, and you think about this yourself. What a learning experience it was for you, absolutely, to be in a territory to learn how to work. Mm-hmm. You see, basically nowadays, it's to me my opinion. I think a lot of guys don't understand their business. You got to stop and understand them. You know, I work behind the scenes at NWA, and, it, and and I'm glad. And it's not about me putting matches together. It's me teaching these kids what our business is about. Right. And I say this, for instance, and I'm not trying to plug nothing. I'm 66 years old. I still active in the business. It's not like, you know, I'm, I don't want to be that. And people ask me all the time, why are you still wrestling once you're talking? Because I know something I want you to learn. Mm-hmm. And you don't understand me. You're thinking that you know everything, but really, when it comes down to it, you don't know shit. Right. And, and, and I'm really being truthful with you there. And take this, for instance. You know, I can still go. Now, if I can get in a ring, take this, for instance. And I'll, I'll throw a ball at you here. I can get in a ring with you, and you let me sail. Then you go 30 minutes, and I promise you I have the crowd coming through the ring. I agree. I agree. I can still do that and i could do the same with carrie morton right here we can still do that because you and this this is not going into because uh, you you have transcended your generation to where you're working matches and doing canadian destroyers and all that stuff yes. and doing topes you're staying relevant by upgrading your style because you know that's what you have to do but you also still have the great foundation of knowing how to do things at the right spot when to sell that is a lost art see that's what these guys don't know now you understand people out there that's why i'm still hanging around yes and that's what it's for and and i believe sometimes in this business chris i watch tv i watch tvs and i and, and sometimes i get to thinking to myself i mean if something ain't working it's gone you got a lot of people lost in the shuffle but the main thing is, is who the writers or, or what you're doing, they're not making the guys that are doing what they're doing understanding what they really want. This is how come, and I love Dusty Rhodes. You hear me? And don't get me wrong. Only people that love Dusty Rhodes more than I do was his family. <laughs> but me and, him, I, me and him had a lot of FU fights. But the one thing that Dusty told me, he says, Ricky, you're one of the greatest baby faces ever in the world. And he said, why? Because you understand what I want. When we sat down, I, me, by myself, I went to the office every Monday. We did TVs on Tuesdays. I could understand his angle. Now, listen to me, Chris. I'm a writer, and I'm writing this. And if you don't understand what I'm writing for you, it's like acting. Doing, you know, when you're doing your screen thing. If you're not doing it right, it sucks. And if you're not understanding me, it sucks. That's why you got to stay there all day, all night, so two ask, days, three days. Go ahead. Get into, but, but. 
That's a great point. So you understood what Dusty wanted from you. Yes. It's very important because the booker is like the coach of a team, a general manager of the team. If you're you know, a hockey player and you, you, I need a strong left winger, you got to play this role. If you don't do it, you get traded. So yes. what did Dusty want from Ricky Morton at this time? To tell his stories. Now, Dusty was, you know, and, and listen to me, Chris. I, and like we was just talking a while ago, I'm not here to say – uh, you know, we was at a different time, a different place. And, I'm, and later on, I want to get into the territory things to make people understand. But see, that's why I went to the office on Mondays, because we did TV on Tuesday. And we'd get, like, Greenville or Fayetteville, Greenville, South Carolina, or Fayetteville on Monday nights. But where our angles were going. See, we didn't do angles for two weeks. We didn't, we didn't shoot for that night. And I take, for instance, this right here. It's even me being on the independent show. And the reason I do good on independence is when I come to that show, I'm already there. We're working for the next show. You see what I'm saying? That's why Smoky Mountain was so successful. I worked with Jimmy a lot in the back. A lot of the things uh, that we did, especially with the gangsters and Tom Pritchard and Jimmy Del Rey. Uh, It's the reason the territories. And don't get me wrong, I don't have the answers to everything. I sure don't, but I sit back and I watch and I, and I, I see things that maybe if you did it this way right here and make the people outside understand. You know, I watched a match the other night and I know I forget where I was at. And I mean, the bell rung, the guy went off, hit the rope, dropped, kicked the guy outside and did a triple, very impressive. Not a triple flip. You see what I'm saying? On it. The people popped and it was good. But the people popped them more the rest of the night of the match. You see what I'm saying? Why could we tell a story for that to the end? I watch these guys give people finishes, 17 million finishes, and everybody kicks out on one. And then the guy with small package him out of a corner or something. And I'm telling this guy, I says, how we they asked me, how was your match? And you know, and he had to I said, dude, I mean, you're the baby. I mean, you're the heel, but you made him the strongest of a gun. He's the strongest guy in the world I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. See, Jerry Jarrett told me this one time. I was young in a business, and Sullen's a lost art. He, uh, a wrestle killer car group. You know, what an asshole he was, too. You know, <laughs> just a belligerent asshole. And he didn't like to work small guys. So he's got to put me over. So I go to the ring with him, and he will not. Do nothing because we don't talk. We didn't talk. Go call it in the ring. Yes, yeah. you call it in the ring. Okay. I called every finish in the world. I kicked out on one. Yeah, it's good. Then he gives me a turnbuckle. I move and I schoolboy him. And I walk. I'm walking back down Memphis, down from the Coliseum, back to the back door. And Jerry Jarrett, that's when he dipped. He had that cup and he goes, Come here for a minute. He says, uh, Killer Coral Croup did what it sell for you, did he? I said, oh, because I don't like sure, yeah. I'm one of the boys. I don't knock yeah. the boys. I got a problem with you. I come to you. I don't go to nobody yeah. else. But see, he didn't understand. He says, oh, no. He says, uh, I saw Killer Coral Croup give you every finish in the world and kicked out on one. He says, I think I might have to get a hold of Pat O'Connor because I – we got to put the world belt on you. You're the toughest son of a bitch I ever seen in my life. And, and smart. 
<laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You ever met a crack? You ever meet any asshole? Just real assholes in the business? Oh, of course, they Chris. still exist to this day. Yeah. You know, guys who don't want to do jobs, guys that don't want to sell, and I'm like, I'll do a job every single night and still be the most over guy in the territory. Who gives a shit? I hate to win. Yeah. I hate to win. People don't pay this. People pay to see me win, and the hill keeps screwing me. Yeah. And then you ought to work with Ole Anderson back in my day. Now, you're talking about an asshole, buddy. <laughs> I, I did an angle with him. And the only way I got old, over with him, because I did an angle with him, you're too little. It ain't going to work. Bye, bye. All the time. He just come in. We done sold out with the Midnight Express, and we're going in our thing with the four horsemen. We shoot an angle, and we go to Hampton. You know, baby, it's over. We hit the ring hot because they just beat me up on TV. And Ole, I'm with Ole because Robert wouldn't go to him. So he's holding the top rope, and I hit him 795 times. <laughs> and I just looked at him, stopped, and I walked to the middle of the ring, and I took a big bump. Yeah. Bam! And Robert and I heard Arn Anderson, is it all right to talk on here freely? Yeah, yeah. And I heard Arn Anderson go, off. All right. And Ole Anderson goes, what'd you do that for? I said, you didn't go down. I thought I would. <laughs> and then he says, I don't know whether to whoop your ass or shake your hand. He said, I had more balls than a Brahma bull. But I said, no. But he loved me after that. Right. After that, I mean, he loved me after that. You know, I wasn't a tough guy. But, you know, I, I, I'm not no dumbass. He's trying to blow me up. You ain't going to blow. I'm 66 years old. You still ain't going to blow me up. You know what I'm saying? Let me ask Kerry a quick question. Obviously, sure. trained, trained by Ricky, your father, who uh, you know has a very great perspective on the business. It is an old, old-time perspective. You're obviously working in the younger world now. How do you balance the two? Because you got to be a little flashy, but you also know that your dad's going to you know, not be happy if you go out there and just do a bunch of high spots. So there's a happy medium there. That's right. You know, that's. I'm glad that you asked that, Chris, because you know, with this perspective in professional wrestling uh, that I have, being a generational wrestler, is uh, I, I kind of got to know my roots and where I stand in professional wrestling, and especially uh, just this week alone, mind you, I, I love professional wrestling. It's everything. You know, right. College full time, you know, collegiate athlete, but uh, at the end of the day, it's coming home and watching wrestling whether that be Smoky Mountain Championship Wrestling or WCW clips and uh, you know the likes of who I always connected with is people like Chris Jericho. Mm -hmm. So it, it's humbling to see like which roots uh, that I wanted to base off when I started wrestling. And uh, with that being said is I knew that I'm a Southern professional wrestler. I know uh, I, I know my techniques quote unquote. I know the, the basics, the fundamentals. Uh, and I knew if I could grow that foundation to be super strong whether it's uh, doing like great headlock routines or doing like certain arm locks. Yeah, great foundation wrestling. Foundation yeah. professional wrestling. I knew that if I could get this basis down, that I could work with anyone. And uh, immediately as I, as I break into the business early 2020 during the pandemic, uh, he starts putting me in the ring with uh, the likes of legends like Barbarian and uh, George South. Uh, and, and some, you know, the likes of many, many legends, Mike Action Jackson. Uh, and, and mind you, I'm a young boy. I, I'm super young. I, I, I'm still young in this business. But at the time, he, he's throwing me in the ring and he's like, just listen. And, and mind you, and before, and I should say this as well, before I got to the venue and I'm nervous and wrestling these legends, I never talked to them. That, that was the rule, is you, you go shake their hand when you arrive 
and, and you introduce yourself once more if they didn't know already, and then you leave. And uh, that's what, what he told me. And I was like, what, what, Dad, what about calling about the match? He said, no, no. <laughs> he said, no, no. He said, you go to that ring and you just listen. And they'll, they'll pick up with you. And uh, that's when I started to kind of click. I'm like, okay, that's where the fundamentals mm. are. That's how I can grow this basis. And now I, uh, you know, I, I like to pat myself on the back that I could go off a little bit of a mall and, uh, and I can hang, quote unquote. And that's not just saying, you know, a superior of who I am. No, it's because most young guys don't get trained that way. You know, to to to, to you know to have the challenge of calling a match in the ring. Most guys would be terrified by that. Yes, you see, they really you, would be. You made a point while ago when I was talking to you when I asked you, "Do you beat a lot of assholes in the business?" And you told me, "Yes." You know, one of the you see, that's what I'm trying to say to you. They're the ones that don't understand our business. Right. Going back and I watch this wrestling. I watch these older high spots that it's still so cool that these people don't see nowadays because I, I'm on these shows in the independence mm -hmm. and, uh, and I work with these guys that they're simply and utterly incredible. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, they can do some of the coolest things in the world. And mind you, I'm a cheerleader on my base. I can catch all day. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll catch you, sure. But then I go back and I watch certain spots that, you know, and for instance, I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, it was you and uh, Lance Storm and Smoking Out Championship Wrestling and you know, the spot where you... You uh, over the top rope and you catch him in a hip toss, reverse. And it's still the fundamentals. It's all mm -hmm. the basics. It's just you're doing a little flying in between. And I did this at a show and Brett Lauderdale of Game Changer Wrestling came to me. He's like, where did you learn to put something like that together during this? <laughs> <laughs> I just got a wink and I was like, you know, it's just old school, baby. Yeah, yeah man. What's, what's old is that? It works good, Chris. It does. I, I don't know if you know this. He's still a, he has one more year of college. He's a, NCAA cheerleader. Yeah. You know, they won the national championship last year. Yeah, so you're still in college. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's the reason. Not a full-time wrestler yet. And, uh, okay, and that's the reason I don't, you know, you got to work out. But, brother, he, he you know, puts tested all the time. <laughs> you understand me. Uh, but, but I told him, you know, it's, it's going to wait. But on the independent circuits, I don't like him. And it's not me being old-fashioned, no school, because the guys that you're working with are not experienced. And they don't care if they drop you on your head. See, I do. Mm -hmm. If I work with a guy and I hurt him, brother, it tears me to all the it I mean, even accidentally. I mean, it kills yep. me. And I hate to see somebody else hurt somebody. I mean, that makes my ass want to dip snuff. You know, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. not kidding you. I mean, just to go out and have fun. Don't risk this guy. Yeah. And when I do seminars, I tell them, I said, look at everyone. How many of you are married? And all of them raise their hand. You have children. I said, what you got to do tonight? Somebody drops you on your head and breaks your neck. You know, there's, there's no insurance here for you. Right. You know, and your insurance, if you do have it, probably ain't going to pay for it. Yeah. Because of the wrestling part. Did you, uh, obviously working in NWA when, when you guys were at the peak in like 88 and 89, that's time frame, everybody's pretty much on the same page. There's nobody dangerous that you're working with at that point in time. What's that now? You're not working with anybody dangerous in like 88, 89 in, in, in the NWA. Everyone was pretty damn good at that point. Yeah, they are. But my time in NWA was 85 and 86. Okay, so it was. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Robert and I, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm not trying to say this, you know, Pioneer. And I'm glad you asked me this, Chris, because this is when independence was really starting, you know, uh, to go out and do that. But, no, in our day, if you couldn't work, you wasn't in. Right. We're in very sacred business. Do you know that? Mm -hmm. well, I mean, it was sacred. You know, you didn't come up, somebody give you the wrestlers. 
whatever call shake handshake what the hell are you doing yeah, I that's the you worst know? thing you can do yeah for any young wrestlers that think you know the wrestlers handshake never use it oh yes <laughs> they always ask me that but i, I want to get to a point about the territory please yeah go back to the territory and, yeah. and nobody understands what i'm saying how hard it was uh, jerry lawler owned memphis him and jerry Jarrett. bill watts owned mid south you ever worked for dusty when he's a booker of a territory Okay, now this is what I'm trying to tell you. I love Dusty, and Dusty had a lot of FU fights, but it was about Dusty. Do you hear what I'm saying? Take for instance, our business was changing. And see, when you're on the territories, this is what was so cool. Joe LaDuke and all them guys from Canada, and New York, they would come down south for the summer here. Yeah. Because their business was bad up north in the summer. Because everybody's everybody, going to the lake oh, and yes. going outside. Yeah, yeah, it sure was. And then they'd come down and work with the the top baby faces in the territories, in which were the owners or the bookers. Okay, and that was it. So it was very hard. But and listen to me, son. My dad told me when I was there. He says, "Ricky, the business has got to change." He says, uh, you know, getting modern these days. And, and my dad wasn't an educated guy either. And, but he, was, he knew this business. He said, tag team wrestling is going to be good. Because remember, your owners and bookers of your territory is one person. They work singles. <laughs> and if you're a baby face, tag team, you can go and work with everybody. You might not get the push wow. that you want. He said, but, and it, and it hit me, then I went, he's right. You'll get more of a shot in a tag team. Yes. And, and as a so, single. Yeah. You know, first I started out with a guy named Sonny King, and he taught me a lot. Uh, then I went to Oklahoma, my first territory out of Memphis, for Leroy McGurk. And that's with Jim Ross. Jim Ross, he's just starting. He's just a kid. He didn't know how to do it. Now it or nothing. Wasn't Leroy McGurk, like, blind as well? That was Leroy McGurk. Yeah, that's what I said. Was he, he said yeah, he, he was for, blind. Yeah. You know, I'd mess with him all the time. <laughs> I loved him. I'd go call him at 4 o'clock in the morning. I said, what are you calling? It's 4 o'clock in the morning. I said, he don't know what time it is. <laughs> but, but it was just fun. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I, I got there. So, you know, we did this deal. Make it a long story. It ended up Robert and I being second fiddle to the fabulous ones in Memphis. Mm but we could outwork them. And I told Robert, because, you know, I had Dory Funk wanting us to come to Florida, uh, and somebody wanted us to come to North Carolina. And I told Robert, no, because we're not going to do it. we got to wait. And Bill Watts was retired. Okay, now Bill ain't going to push himself. Now, you remember this, 1983 and 84, we go to Louisiana, the top, you know who the top baby face is? Who? Abdullah the Butcher. <laughs> and do you know why? Why? Because Bill just finished up his angle with him. Okay, they got to turn Abdullah baby face to bring the next hill in for him to beat Abdullah. Right. Okay. So for then you want to face him. Watts, yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Oh, so... So we did, you know, we did this angle because, you know, in Memphis, they run these videos of us. And they never seen that nowhere else in territories. They run the videos of us, go in. And Bill Dundee was a booker, and Bill was always pissed off because Bill wouldn't let him work. Bill Watts wouldn't let him work. Mm. If you know, you're just a booker, you're not gonna push yourself mm. in my territory. You see? <laughs> but we popped it. Right. I mean, and that's like 
That, that was the thing in our days. It was just a pop of territory. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I've seen a lot of things, and I understand where they could have popped the territory, but the Booker beat the baby face, or the Booker beat the hill. So in 85, 86, that was kind of the peak of, of your time in NWA. Yes. What made the territory pop so big at that point in time? Because you had a lot we of strong new. acts. New? Well, it was something new. Oh. You, you understand me? It was, it was new. It went from uh, Black Jack Mulligan, which is 6'8", big guy, uh, Ron Bass. Do you understand? These were the big guys. You didn't, your baby faces, Dusty Rhodes, and don't, he did good. But you needed somebody to draw. We, we, we drew a younger crowd. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? The, the, the huh? young American boys that transpired yeah. the girls. Yeah. <laughs> you right. see what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Women. The yeah. first time I ever went to Baton Rouge, we went in, they showed our videos on there, and we shot a little on TV, and we go to, the first time I'm in Baton, not Baton Rouge, but Lafayette, Louisiana, and Mark Henry told me, I would been with Mark all weekend, he says, you know, me and my grandmother <laughs> rode a bus from over in Texas yeah. to come and watch me and Robert in Lafayette that night. Wow. He's just, just a kid now. But when we get there, they never see this. They wrestle these buildings. And we, this will go on next. But I get out, there's a TV people there, and they come up and they interview me. Who are you people? I mean, by us, man, I'm a professional wrestler. He says, no, you don't understand. People's been camping out here for two weeks to get pictures of you. I mean, to get tickets to see y'all tonight. See, it was all new. You know, we went from these little armories with, with no air-conditioned heat and the skating rinks to the high schools and from the high schools to the superplexes, then the superplexes to the Superdome in, in Louisiana mm -hmm. for pay-per-view. Right. Uh, and, and this is what I really liked. And, and Bill Watts, he, he did give us – this was my main thing is paying, it was fighting over to pay because we were in the Superdome, half the Superdome, with the curtain down sewed out. And then they had another building that uh, we had our regular shows in, the old building. Right. Oh, they had closed circuit there. It sewed out. <laughs> you see? Badass shit. What was the angle of rock and roll versus who? Midnight Express. Uh, That's when we rubbed Jimmy's face in the cake. And, gotcha. And all that stuff. And You guys could main event with the Midnights, and then Flair could main event with whoever, Luger, on a, on a different show, or were you guys doing two shows, or, or were like... Have main event with them every night. Gotcha. Everywhere. Especially at a you know, mid-Atlantic uh, Crockett, you, you had bicycle tapes. You had bicycle tapes for real once, and, and you, you understand what What's I mean. What's a bicycle tape? Okay, the show... It's live here in Memphis, but it don't show. That live show don't show in Nashville until next week. Gotcha. And then it's a little while the following week. Gotcha. So, so we're on making the rounds. Yeah. See what the great thing about it? We didn't have social media. Right. Nobody knew the finishes. You, you understand? Yep. You mentioned the other day your social media was Bill Lafferty. They know exactly. <laughs> That's right. Know yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I remember I told him about think that. I says all you guys are. You know that you got social media today. Thank God it didn't have it my day. But I said, but one thing we had was Bill Actor. Yeah, where it was on the no, front. It's funny though because I was talking the other day about how, like, like for example, like some, like for example, Tony Khan is very much uh, about social media. But Tony got into the business through social media when he was a kid. Uh -huh. 
I got into the business through magazines, through the after magazines. Uh, uh, the next generation, like Moxley, those guys got in through tape trading. So whichever way you got into the business, you'll always have an affinity for it. I don't think anybody reads magazines anymore, but I still, if I ever see one, I'll go and like check it out or like read it. You know, oh, look what they said in the magazine. I, I do too. And being 66, yeah. I'm 422. And the, and the stats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned social media. How right. I got, I got into it through social media because, mind you, my major in university is social media and analytics. And like, I, I do a lot of social media intake with, uh, with, with my business. I own a little social media business that helps right. market. Okay. Carolina Panthers, Geico Insurance. Nice. Um, very fortunate for that. But it's interesting because that's how I keep up with a lot of wrestlers today on the independent scene. Is mm-hmm. mind you, like, I'll go into these shows, they'll fly me out to LA or Texas, and I'm not quote unquote familiar with that wrestler. And literally, I just, just gotta look it up. I just go to the social media page and see all their highlights. But is it hard though, as a young as a young wrestler, and you're still learning? Like for example. What you said, Ricky, was was a joke, but I'm glad they didn't have social media when I started because a lot of your matches when you start aren't very good. And the last thing you want is someone to put it up on YouTube and say, oh, look, here's Kerry Morton and he had a, sh- a shitty match or whatever that you ever have. But I'm just saying, like, people see everything now. So everything you do has to be as good as it can possibly be. Yes. Does that put more pressure on you? Most definitely more, more pressure. Yeah. Because uh, in today's age, like you said, everyone has a phone. And so when I'm starting out, uh, you know, in the pandemic, I got these little spandex tights on I just had made for one night just to, to wear. And I'm making this debut in front of 400 people. And, and, uh, it, and the same way, too, is, you know, you, you get nervous. You have nerves at the time. And mind you, I come from professional theater. So, you know, having nerves on stage wasn't necessarily a thing because I got so immune to it. I got so used to it. It wasn't. Yeah. I didn't have butterflies anymore in that, in that typical environment. Then I transpired to wrestling. And. You know, the nerves are there, and you're trying to remember these things, and uh, and you're going about, and you're wrestling all these these guys that I I loved. You know, mind you, you threw me in the ring with people like Chase Owens, Enzo Amore, all these guys that I watched on TV, and I watched all over in New Japan, and, and I'm wrestling them as just a young boy, and I'm getting my ass whooped, mm-hmm. and, and you're seeing these videos from people that's tagging you on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and you're like, man, this is why did I do that and why did they do this? Yeah. But you don't know at the time because right. you're just starting out. So now, and you never probably would have seen it again unless you videotaped it to watch at your place. But now you see everything every week. Here it is. Everything. Yeah. Every and, and mind you, I wish. Uh, and I mentioned this too about wrestlers, especially independent wrestlers that are trying to get booked elsewhere other than their little towns. It's like, guys, social media is the key. Oh yeah. And and, and that's it's very important. I, and I try to. And mind you, I love helping. Uh, I try to help as much as I can with my, with my friends in wrestling and social media, and that's why I got my degree in this. So Smart. I can help them boost yeah. their social media pages. Help them make good captions or good algorithm patterns. To help them try to tag other wrestling promotions to get viewed. Uh, so it's we, it's really interesting that you mentioned that. And we have a, a, a girl with us on the Fozzy tour. She all, all she does is TikTok, and she gets huge results. Like I don't do TikTok because I just don't have time to do it right. but it's so important to have like whatever the new social media is like I got Twitter who cares I have Facebook doesn't matter Instagram meh it's, now it's TikTok it's you gotta TikTok. be on this and it's just like wow it really does uh, make a difference in how you promote your brand a huge difference for instance I, I'm gonna mention something real quickly it might transpire a little from wrestling but uh, are you familiar with the artist Jelly Roll? He's yeah, a, of course. yeah Jelly Roll yeah. I became friends with him uh, I did a music video for him and uh and we're talking, and mind you, Jelly Roll uh, w- was just starting to make some waves. Um, Twenty nineteen, you know, mind you, he had a good following. I'm not not discrediting that at all. Really good following, but he didn't understand why he couldn't grow more. 
And uh, I mentioned, and this came about with conversations, like, why don't you try, like, throwing some songs out there on, on TikTok, little quips of something you're, you're interested of. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, maybe throw some on TikTok. Throw some on, like, uh, on your Instagram, on, on the Reels page on Instagram. Yep, I was like, yep. and do it for free. I said, don't charge anything. Don't just let people see you. And maybe throw, I don't know, 150 bucks and just boosting that ad. And uh, I, when I, I saw him recently, he's like, man, Really appreciate what you did. Help me boost in those pages. And yeah. now Jelly Roll it's is big, Jelly Roll. It's a big deal. It's yes, a big sir. deal. Ricky, let's go back to what you mentioned. I, I just want to touch on, on, on the Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express. It's one of the greatest tag team feuds of all time. It's it's the greatest. The greatest. It, it made history, and I'm not patting myself on the back. No, but you're right. I mean, it, it, just let's talk a little bit about that and delve into it a bit. I mean, like, why was the chemistry so good? Was it the same after Dennis left and Stan came in? What was what was the why was it such a why was it the greatest feud? In tag because team it was the first time that people got the opportunities in territories to get a big push. You know, Bill Watts gave us that push. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have to worry about the booker going to beat me next week to get himself over. Because you're a team. Yeah. You understand me? Yeah. Just everything clicked. I remember J- uh, Jerry Jarrett telling Jimmy when he, when he first brought him in as a manager, he goes, uh, Jimmy, if you can get as much heat with the fans as you do the boys, <laughs> you, we're going to make a million dollars. Right. And he did. Mm. And it was exactly like that. And and the people somehow bought into it, Chris, because it was the tag team, the personal thing, the expresses. Everybody hated Jimmy Cornette, even Bobby and Dennis <laughs> and them at the time. But he had so much heat. And in our business at that time, that's what every angle, and, you know, and I said this to you earlier, I don't like to win because I can't draw money. Winning, and I'm still, I'm not on TV. I mean, I am in NWA, but that's something else there, and he's there. But yeah, I'm on, I'm still out here in the world, you know, on these independent shows, and we do good, Chris. You know, week before last, we had 4,200 people at a show. He was there. Wow. Show. Where? Yes. In, in Chillicothe, Ohio. Yes. Bobby Fulton's wrestling. One half the yes. Fantastics. Yeah. His wrestling promotion. He I, knows Bobby. And yes. it's just. Yeah. I wanted to mention something on on the show too. Is something, and I'm going to put him on the spot a little here too, because you, when you see this wrestling back then of the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express, they always mentioned to me that they never talked. They never spoke about anything. Yeah. It was all exclusive in the ring. But it always gets me wondering how it was. It so good. And your timing was so clear and crisp with all these spots and, and not even necessarily spots, Jeff's moves and you guys never spoke. I feel like that's something in today's time. You put two wrestlers in the ring and mind you, they wrestled a few times from there, but they still do what you guys did. I got you. We'll say we wrestled every night, okay? And we wrestled every night. So because the first match wasn't as good as the next night, we added something. Something happened in the match. Yep. That I tell Robert, man, let's add this to this spot. Get the referee. Get Tommy Young to tell Bobby. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You really use and, your and ref. The, and then about two months of that shit, you got your shit down to pat. <laughs> <laughs> you got seven different yeah, matches. Yeah. Do the backdrop spot. Yeah. You got seven different matches. And, and that's how it worked like that. But now I'm going to get back to this. Jimmy yeah, had so much heat. And, and, and I respect Jimmy in, in a way because – I watched him get his ass whipped so many times that he learned how to fight. 
<laughs> and I'm serious. Sure. Uh, I mean, especially in, down in Louisiana, where you're down in the bayou and all these places. But he has some heat, and uh, they wanted to kill him. Oh yes, yeah. uh, and and Bill Watts, you, you know, he made a thing there, but he, you, nobody could leave the building to after the main event. I mean, you just had to, in case there's a riot. Yeah, we had riots every night. So you had had the boys in the building. Bill, hey, they're, and they're all standing outside watching the match. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh yes, uh, wow. and throw in a. I remember one time when we first went in there, you know, because you, you got to have somebody to get you over for them. It was still the Russians and NWA, Ivan Koloff and Barry Dorso. There is Barry Dorso and Nikolai Volkov. And I was telling him, you know, you had to work there. Even you got hurt. I remember I got my shoulder popped completely out in the match. It's sticking up. And I didn't realize that Nikolai Volkov, you know, he's – you know, he's a chiropractor. He knew all this stuff. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. But look here, dude. He put me down, pop, put my shoulder right back in place, right in the match, and people don't even know it. You understand me? Yeah. And the next day, I can't even raise his arm up. But they were so good workers that nobody knew. Hmm. And But uh, I was saying when, they sh- when we first shot the angle with them, they did the thing where he got the, the chain and threw me over the top rope, and he's hanging me. And... Uh, here I see a guy come running. First of all, I seen something white, and it was a big cut full of batteries. It hit Barry Dorso in the head and just knocked him out. Bro. And the guy had a knife, and he swept it down, and Nikolai would go, and I turned around to look, and it was didn't cut him, but it cut his damn boot. Damn. Plumb off of his. Wow. Of his, but his foot, foot, he stepped right out of the boot. <laughs> That's heat, guys. That's sure. uh, people believing it. And and I knew when we had finishes, or especially when Cornette come in, hit me with the racket or something, I'd lay that, have that one eye open. <laughs> oh, ringside seat. They would fight like hell. But see, normally when I got older, but see, in that territory there, you couldn't help them, you see. I have been there. I've not been in the ring before with Bobby. You know, Bobby's working my arm. I said, Bobby, sit down. I said, bring me up and swing me around. Swing me around. What are you talking about? Swing me around. I kick him. Mark. You got to kick him in the head. Oh, because they're coming in the ring. Yeah, yeah. I kick him in the head. Go back and they go back down. And Bobby go. Did you just kick that guy in the head? <laughs> I went. See, that's the good thing when you're in the ring and you see a fan coming. They yeah. always have to get in the ring, and no yes. one really knows how to get in the ring. As soon as they try it, that's when you boot them. Yes, when yeah. you, yeah, yes. Oh, but you get him in them ropes. He's. What's wild to just wrap your mind around is this happened every night back then. If this were to happen in today's time, if you know, for instance, you you always sound kind of see, especially me, you see the spot Kevin Steen kicking uh, one of the uh, fan that jumps in the ring mm-hmm. and trying to spot. But if, you, if this were to happen today, then it's it's breaking the web. And then for that, you talk as this is just this was normal. A nightly <laughs> thing. This is just a yes. normal thing that happened every night. Yes, it did. It, and, and the business is you know it's changed so much. You know, like you said here, it's really hard to do anything for the people to really sink their teeth into, Chris. Mm-hmm. And you know that, too. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of things the fans don't do know either, but and you learn. This is what Daddy is trying to teach you before you to protect yourself. I'm lucky. Yeah, I've been injured a lot of many times, but I would never, Chris, let him put the knife to me. Mm. Never. That's, yeah, that's amazing. You know what? And everything on me healed. You know, my rotary cuffs, see, I, yeah, yeah. And, and the guys that got the operations, they yeah. can't pick them up. And 
You see, that's the main thing in this business. And this is what I, I want to go do. I want to work is to teach. It's not about te it's teaching how to protect you. Mm -hmm. We can't do that. You know, you, you can't. And, and I've seen this several times. A, a great angle be shot and somebody got hurt. Mm -hmm. And nowadays they don't go to work. I guess. Yeah, 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 they don't go to work. Yeah. You know, so now the whole thing that you've been working for for six months is just blowed out of water. Yeah, and that happens a lot. Yes, it does. It happens a lot, and that's what. Yeah, and and I see that all the time. So uh, you know, it's it's just working. I want to go work with these guys and, and to teach them. You know, Ike. See, there are some things that you can't sell. You understand me? You hit me real hard in my head. I can't sell it. Yeah. That hurt. That's what you can always tell if it's stiff, no one sells it. You can't sell it. <laughs> you know? And But you're there. And then, I mean, if you knock me down, why you pick me right back up for it? Let me sell it yeah, for you yeah, for yeah, just yeah. a minute That's a or two. Point, Whatever you did to me, let me sell. I could sell one punch yeah. better than I can, 47. I agree. Can I, can okay. I ask you this? Uh, especially how you reinvent yourself time and time again in professional wrestling and, and life in general. When you see this uh, epitome of wrestling where a guy is getting hit 8,000 times in the head, is that due just to TV wrestling nowadays and not necessarily you're working it's for just, the crowd? These guys just don't understand as much. And once again, I don't like talking the way to sound like an old-timer, but for example, we had something the other day where I think one of my guys was running in to, to do some interference to cause the baby face to lose. Yes. And it's like, can I use your bat? I'm like, well, you don't really want to use my bat. It's kind of my gimmick. I said, why do you need a bat? Just run down there and punch him in the face. That's enough. Everyone knows what it's like to get punched in the face. You can be knocked out by a punch in the face. Yeah, and then he did right. it. It looked great. That's all you need to do. And Chris and I do this all the time I'm with people. Remember, the simpler the finish, the more the people understand it. Yes. And that's when you, they start watching your angle. But if you're out there and you're doing some kind of, I mean, I do that. I've been in the business for 50 years. You know, I, sometimes I watch a match and I don't know what the hell they're doing. They're not telling no story. They're not selling each other. And then the finish, I mean, what'd you do that for? The thing know? is, so you have to be really, really good at that style to get it over today. Because the wrestling fan has changed. I got you. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it, it might be like the genie might be out of the bottle for that, but unless you have two masters of the craft yeah. to do that, because it takes a lot of balls to, I don't know, we run into each other, double tackle, and just lie there. And don't move okay. until I say so. Don't move. Don't even twitch. Don't even move. It's going to get a pop, then it's going to get silent, and then watch what happens. 10, 20, 30 seconds later, you're going to get the biggest pop of the night by not moving. It's hard to get guys to buy into that. Say, that's, that's what I'm talking about. And let's go back to the same thing we started this whole podcast off. They don't understand our business. When I first started going out for GCW on the road, uh, Brett Lauderdale. You know Brett? Yeah. Yeah, man. I love them guys. I love good, working for them. They're business, hardcore yeah. wrestling. Yeah. So if Ricky, you, if you don't think Ricky Morton's upgraded from that, you go to GCW and work. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, and I told him uh, in my first night in, I'm wrestling Effie. And I love Effie, by the way. People's out here, out here. I mean, he's a sensational person hmm. and a great, and he's learned how to work. When I, First went in there, they come in there and wanted to be to do a finish to beat Effie. And I, and I looked at him and I says, guys, please listen to me. I don't want to beat Effie. And they're looking at me like, what the? 
I said, because if I beat him, there's no need for me to wrestle him no more. That's right. Where are you going to? Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay, and I've wrestled FIA a hundred times all across the United States for GCW. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, the only state I hadn't wrestled in was Wyoming, and Brett Lauderdale booked a show there <laughs> for me to wrestle in Wyoming. <laughs> That's right. That's he he sure did. And, and black and all. It's, it's you, know, I got, you know what mine is? The one I never wrestled in? Where? Delaware. No kidding. No kidding. I, I did. I did Delaware. a talk. Uh, uh, what I used to call the highlight reel segment there, but never had a match in Delaware. Wow. I, I did so one. This, I did a fair this, show. This, could this be has it. to happen here this soon. Has, someone's going to book me have, in Delaware, brother. I Delaware. did a fair show in Delaware and Dermont. There, there you go. I did two fair shows. <laughs> for, and that's uh, huh? you know you're talking about like the the wrestling foundation of just like who your persona is in the ring and not necessarily trying to. You have to hang with this person. You have to do everything they do. And, and, you know, I, I got to speak a little to this, too, is, like, I, I currently am employed by the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance. And, yep. And Billy Corgan yep. is very strong on the fundamentals of who your character is in the ring. And that's really cool to kind of have that freedom to express mm-hmm. is, like, hey, uh, this is what I'm good at. Uh, and, and, he, and he puts me to a challenge every time. You know, I just wrestled La Bastellian uh, at the last tapings. And, you know, those are two of the toughest Guys, I, I've been in the ring in this this current day of just luchador, lucha libre, super hard hitting. Uh, it's something I, I thoroughly enjoyed, mm. but it, it was cool to experience. Uh, like, okay, I can hang with these guys, and and I can also do what Kerry Morton represents and what Kerry Morton is in professional wrestling to my to my own ability. And it, it's really, my, I kind of have a question for you within your own show is. How did you always, you know, you had your you had your spots and you had your the moments of what this is what Chris Jericho was all about, but how did you tie it in with working with these these personas of these other people in wrestling that you didn't think it would ever work or ever get over? Personas that I came up with, or like, well, so the personas that you had, but like for big names, like you would wrestle, you know, and, and mind you, I'm a smaller guy in wrestling, and mm. I'm very relatable to some of the other smaller people that were before me. So how did you? Get all this, this, this great, and and do your style, which is what you're very familiar. Well, with. I think what happens, and and Ricky will probably agree with me on this, especially as a heel, because because I was thinking about the other day, I've been world champion eight times, every time as a heel. I still like being a babyface, but obviously there's something about the heel character that just connects more, at least to to the guys that are booking the shows. Especially as a heel, the best way to have a great match is to wrestle your opponent's style. It doesn't mean you wrestle it all the way, but you have to incorporate what this guy does best into what you're doing. If I just wrestle my style and I'm in there with Bandito, I got to do what Bandito does best and kind of work around that and incorporate that style. If I'm with The Rock, The Rock works a very frenetic, fast pace. You got to be there and put together your match that way. That's the way I always saw it. Try, Try and incorporate the other guy's style into what I know, which is more of the timing and the and the crowd. You, but Chris, what you're saying here is is incorporating in their style. Give me a definition of you of a good worker. Someone who gets the people on the edge of their seat and believes that what they're seeing is okay. is real. What's your I definition mean, of a good worker? You could have a match with anybody. That gets the crowd involved and makes them think it's real, right? <laughs> That's but to me, having a match with anybody is yes. also and getting see, the reaction, and, right? And, 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 and you don't even know this. I mean, from what you've been, you're cool. I mean, I love Chris Jericho. Everybody does. You do your thing. You stood up for the boys. Uh, the main thing in the world uh, when something happened, you was always there. And I don't think I don't notice that. Thank I you. do. Okay, but 
uh, just a young kid. I'm sitting back there in the back, and I'm, oh, yeah, I'm on his ass. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, yeah. I told you, I said, get out of the ring. You, him and your partner used to go out there and go over their matches. Lance, yeah. Lance, and I hadn't seen this. But, I, you know, and I kept telling him, get out of the and he broke his fucking arm out there. And oh, here Practicing. I come. Now my little ass said, you really? goofy ass. He's just a kid. Yeah. You know, I said, look here, you done broke your leg. I'm my arm. Bye-bye. He went to the hospital, came back in the cast, and had a hell of a bunch. <laughs> I never forget that. Wow. Uh, okay, so now cool. now he's over with this me. This is Smokey Mountain Championship Wrestling? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Broke his, dude, out there practicing the match, broke his arm. Okay. And I, I'm bitching over here. <laughs> I said, man, you can't yeah. tell these young punks nothing. It's true. Okay, I'm, but, I'm, but he comes back, and he didn't, he, did, he didn't go home. He went to the ring and worked 20, 30 minutes with a broken arm. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a Jimmy was so mad at me, you stupid mother until oh. I said I'm going to work the match. Okay. Wow. But you're right. I mean, the, 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 when you're younger, I remember Nick Bockwinkle telling me in 1992, I was in the business less than two years, you guys do too much. Yeah. And your instant reaction is, what does he know? And then it's like, uh, Nick Bockwinkle, hello, he knows everything. Yes. And then, you know, Ricky Morton said the same thing. Ricky had a great line once. He said, why don't you hit me with a shoot punch? I said, why? Because he said, your working punch is killing me. Yeah, <laughs> it sure is. He, he, you know, and I, and I had a little run with Nick, too. Did you? In San Antonio, yes. They, uh, uh, they brought Nick in. He was working with Scott Casey, and I was partners with Ken Lucas at the time. And uh, Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan had seen me work. And they, you know, it's just the same stuff. And right, Bobby Hendon talked to Tully and Joe Blanchard, and I, and they gave me gave me a little push by myself, and I did an hour Broadway with Dick Bockwinkle. Damn. In the Hemisphere Arena, it's not there no more in San Antonio, Texas. And then the following Friday night, let me tell you how the business is. I don't know. I never made big money in the business, Chris. I'm going to tell you this. My biggest year in the business is $125,000. You're kidding me. Really? That's it. Wow. You know, that's what I talked to you about before is, uh, do you know what would, would absolutely change our life? If it's just have an action figure made of us, we don't have none. I know, but aren't they doing it now? Yes. Is, is it? No, they have the gum jacks, but they the only, see, the only thing, we're out here on the independence. Right. And these guys get these dog deals, but they make theirs first. And then when it gets to us, they go bankrupt. We don't get none. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And Jack's only, the guy from Jack's called me and said, God, man, y'all's, God did good. He, I said, y'all making more? He said, no, we're going to shut the business down. We just, <laughs> he said, at least you got us out of a hole a little bit. Yeah. And I went, and they don't have none. That would change our life. And, and, and I'm serious. This is what you don't understand that I fought for. You know, I wrestled Ric Flair. The main event in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Rick made $28,000, and I made eight hundred. Wow. That's when Rick Morton got known as a cocaine addict. This is Rick Morton got known here as a no because I was fighting office. You hear me? No. We're going to do this right here, you know. Please trust me. I don't think that I'm being a jack-off. We don't need that jet airplane because it's only flying dusty. For yeah. pockets, yeah. Okay, I'm not saying it, okay? I mean, what the hell? It's true. And I'm saying this earlier. I love Dusty as much as this kid does. But I knew it. Okay, won't you take that money and give it to the boys? And it come to a point. I don't know if you know this, Chris. You know, I beat Rick for the world belt. Uh, Richmond, Virginia. What? Really? 
Oh, yes. But I went into, and listen to me. When I go to bed at night, I can sleep good. Because you could ask anybody. I never f nobody in my life. And I made a promise to Robert Gibson, no matter what. We started this together, and we did this, and we turned it into something beautiful, something mm -hmm. that would go down in the history books. Legendary. So you beat Flair for the world title Wednesday night, Richmond, Virginia. Was yes, it? Was then they never acknowledged it? Or no, was no, no, no. What was okay? And uh, this is it. I went coming to back, and there's Jimmy Crockett and uh, Dusty wrote Oh, that's just right down Dusty's alley. You're the world champion. We got to let Robert go. Oh wow! Here's the belt back. I don't want it. Yeah. So there's pictures, uh, and mind you, I, I never thought I saw a picture of him holding. World belt. It's a black and white. He has his uh, black and yellow. Notorious yeah. the bumblebee tights on. Right when I come through the door. That's it. right. But um, you know that was the only photo I thought that existed from that night until there was a fan that recently reached out and uh, he said I was in attendance. And and mind yeah. you, it sees him as he went. And you know, mind you, it's it's an old Polaroid or some sort, but it still has his hand raised up the belt in the air. And and, and it, Rick never. And listen to me after this is over. Rick never really acknowledged it because I don't know what kind of he was in. I didn't want to mess with him. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know somebody asked Rick one time about it. He says, Ricky Bort could have had a great run as a world champion. So they put you over in Richmond. Yes. Virginia. And then after the match was done, pulled a power play to see if you would stay in line. Give uh, You're the champ, but Robert fired. He wanted to break us up so bad. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, and now, I never had a contract. Now, this is a, a story that happened. We were in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and Robert come to the door. And he's not talking. He's real quiet over here in the corner. So I go over. I said, Robert Swan goes, I got hurt last night because the boys were in there. And I went, hmm. Went back and sat down. I'm thinking to myself, hell, he never got in the ring. <laughs> you know, so uh, then I go back over and I asked him, I said, Robert, what happened to you? And, you know, he pulled his pants down his leg was black as my socks and he he said my wife ran over me in a car so uh this is another example of what i'm telling you about me giving the bell back okay so i went to the ring and i told robert said just get to the ring and when you come in the ring fall i would take care of everything for you you know we were wrestling butchery to do but i didn't tell them and he come in the ring and fell mind over matter Butch Rigo, what you drunk? And I went, did you hear his knee pop? Mm. Next thing you know, everybody on the front row heard his knee pop. Of course. Okay. They sent him to the University of Alabama. They did that. He got two grand a week, and I have nothing. But here's another example. Dusty wanted to put me with Brad Armstrong to be the new Rock and Roll Express. I didn't have a job, you know. Right. But... Dusty did like me enough. He said, okay, you got a choice. You go on Brad Armstrong, or I can turn you heel. You work underneath, getting everybody over. And they put me with the York Foundation. That's how that occurred. Mm. Okay. And it's, so just uh, Robert came back. You know, he supposed to have been back in four months, but he laid on the beach for a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Capital Combat. I wrestled Robert there with Alexander York. I did the finish, but boom, and him, I rode out of the ring, went to the back, and me and Robert took off 
to Johnson City, Tennessee. Smoky Mountain Championship Wrestling. Oh, wow. Yes. That's right. I just, we vanished out of this thing. He said, no. And I told him that the night in New Jersey, because, you know, this is all, I was fighting over the money. And Dusty got mad at him the night before. And uh, they, they had like two guys going to beat us in a match. I said, oh, okay, okay. Are they going to beat us? I went right out of the ring, put them over in like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. All right, and rolled out of the ring, went back. And they called us in a room. That was, the, and uh, this is before the capital combat thing. He, because they brought us back. You know, they they fired us right in. They see a York Foundation with WCW too. And they fired us. Okay, we're in New York City. We're on the plane. Okay, now tell them. I said, well, okay, you called me today. They got us all the way to New York and fired us. Mm-hmm. And we're on a thing. I have to get my own way home. Jeez. And I did, and I never forget this. Jimmy Crockett was sitting there. I said, Jimmy and Dusty, I says, you're going to fire us. That's cool. I said, but I promise you in four months, you go bankrupt. Mm. Three months, he went bankrupt. Wow. WCW had bought him. They was up. Why did you think he was going to go bankrupt? Because, uh, well, one thing. Expenses. Me and Robert were over. Yeah. And the expensive that's. That somebody was spending. Jimmy Crockett went out and bought Kansas City territory for like eight million dollars. Mm. What'd you buy it for? Mm. All you had to do is just go run it. Just run there, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna give him eight million dollars for? Betting That's eight million dollars that could yeah could, went to yeah, the, the kids. Boys, yeah. I mean, went to the boys. Yeah. You know, and Chris, we did, we didn't uh, you know we didn't have travel agencies. You know that, don't you? If you flew, you flew yourself. Mm. Uh, when you got a motel, you paid for it yourself. Of course, yeah. And, and it was hard, it, and especially on the loop that I was on. I mean, now, especially when I did the gimmick with Flair, you know, they didn't have, like you said, you didn't have travel agencies. And I'm telling Jimmy Crockett, uh, you know, one, one night I'll be in Miami, and next night I'm in Los Angeles, California. And then the next night I'm in New York. Then I fly to Tokyo, Japan, yeah. and do an hour Broadway with Ric Flair and fly back. Okay, and I'm not here. They didn't invent monster drinks then. You understand <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I put a little something up my nose. I'm not afraid to admit that. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't what, what they thought I was. All I did was stand up for the boys, and none of them like it, and they want to knock me. They can kiss my ass, too, mm-hmm. you know? But I still love them. Right. Still love them. And if I don't know if you know me or not. Every night before I leave... I tell all the boys I love them, even if I don't like you. <laughs> but I do love you. I might not like you, but I love you. Mm-hmm. You see that picture I just posted on my Facebook? Jay Briscoe. You know, I'm doing my great sale job. I love mm-hmm. working with them guys. They let me sell. Did you see the picture? Was I didn't see it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fish hooking, yeah. Fish hooks. Yeah. Oh, and it's badass, and I'm reaching out to the people. Classic Ricky Morton. Oh, yes. Look here. <laughs> And then two weeks later, he's dead. Yeah. But you know what I did when I left that building that night? I told him I loved him. Mm-hmm. Give him a kiss on the cheek. You, you, yes, I, I did. Remember, I, I, kissed him I on sat the in the cheek. locker room and I yeah. changed you know, him. They kissed was, him on the cheek. Uh, yes. <laughs> I always kiss the boys, yeah. too. And again, you're going to love this. I got, I got to tell this story. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm going to tell the story. story I got to. <laughs> Last year at WrestleMania at the Comic-Con, I'm with Tommy Rich and Robert. And they don't know who F.E. is. They don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. 
you know. I'm standing there and all these people and Tommy Rich and Rummer here, and I see Effie. Here, he, he, buddy, I mean, he's got it going on. He's coming down through there. And when he comes by me, I reach out and I grab him by the arm. He looks at me. I bend him over. I give him my big old kiss. And he even does this, Chris. The the leg yeah, he even does this. And I put him back on, the, on his feet and, and he walks off. And Robert goes, Ricky, why'd you kiss that man? And I went, because I really just don't give a f- <laughs> and and then, that's what you're missing out in life. That's right. You're missing out on life, buddy. That's right. These are the greatest. It's just little times like that are so great. But to, to get back to what I was saying with you, the boys don't understand. In my day, I depended on you. Mm-hmm. I depended on Bobby. Bobby was my best friend where I lost him. I lost part of me. Yeah. I lost part of me. Mm-hmm. But we depended on each other. I didn't have to worry about Bobby Eaton dropping me on my head. Right. You hear me? Because it's not about me. It was about us. Mm-hmm. When the guys underneath love you because when you're working at territory and they get to buy a new car because of the money we're drawing, because don't get me wrong, we're not making the big money, but they're making twice what more than they did make. Sure. You know, I mean, then you got to, Six hundred dollar a week, the underneath boys. Oh shit! Uh, was, yes, it was. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. I, and I was telling him early, Chris. You know, being on the road, a lot of things I watched. I remember when Motel Six came out. Uh, Six dollars a night. Oh jeez, wow! <laughs> yes. say lower end, yeah. What's Super Eight? It was eight dollars a, a night. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> my attention. And that's really what ne- nobody knew back then. Right. You yeah. know, uh, yes. Imagine. Six, but you know what? Six dollars was a lot of money. Right. <laughs> and then when your gas was what that's thirty-nine it, cents a gallon. As we start to wind down here, uh, Carrie, I know that you've been tagging with with Ricky because right. I think the Rock and Roll Express is kind of winding down and now it's carrying Ricky Morton so how is that tagging with your father genuinely it's it's awesome and, and mind you I, I grew up with him that's that's not yeah. only my dad it's my yeah. best friend right. um, so you know stepping in the wrestling ring with him it, it's kind of just like second nature uh, especially from just starting in this business and, and becoming the young boy that I was and him throwing me in the ring with people and then we start tagging together and he starts showing me his tricks and one of those nature tricks is selling. And he's like, listen, when, when uh, for instance, we're wrestling the, the fixers on NWA, and he's like, when they do this to you, don't get up. Mm-hmm. Roll to that camera. Uh, you know, hard cam's facing this way. You have your four cams this way. Roll to it. And just, just eye it. And, and just crawl. And, and, and squint your eyes a little and put yourself in the position of this actually happened. And uh, that was, that, that's when wrestling started become oh wow like this is what this alive yeah. i became alive i this is the the moment where i'm like wow this is i'm starting to realize who i am and now mm-hmm. i'm getting out of the environment of okay I'm, I'm just here to wrestle and now i'm here to perform i'm here to entertain mm-hmm. and uh that that was something that like i i you know i can always be for grateful and, mm-hmm. and now i get to share the ring with them we've won uh, a few belts on the independent scene, you know, and we, we set it as a, a team together right now. I'm currently the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, right. but we set it as a team. I was like, how cool would it to be the whole, you know, he's a nine-time NWA World Tag Team Champion. Mm-hmm. I said, how cool would it be 10-time with, mm-hmm. with your son? And I was, that was something that, 
that really starstruck. And, you know, and I never say never. I think, you know, 66 years old, I'm 21. Uh, we can still flow. We can still go. And I, I, I think, and, I, and I, I'm picking up all you his know, ways. it never and, changes, though. I still, they still get the heat on me. They still get the heat on it. Like, like, I still, no. But I mean, you're, you're talking about being one of the greatest sellers of all time. Uh, I would put you up there with Steamboat. I think Sean is a babyface, a great seller. But Ricky, I mean, the, the way that you sell to this day is still all time great. Chris, I, I wish that you could come. And, and don't get me wrong, but just come to some independent show mm. and, uh, <laughs> and just watch. You know, first of all, you know, the rock and roll screaming never stops. Mm -hmm. It's always good. It always works, especially when you're in there with a young kid and he's wanting to lock up. And I said, but if I lock up with you, they're going to quit cheering rock and roll. Right, right, Just right. get back. Yes, <laughs> Just keep go. telling them to shut up. And yeah. they keep screaming yeah. and they don't understand, mm -hmm. you know. And then all of a sudden you, you, you could lock up with them and do a spot where I'm down and move on the elbow and wham, they're back up. It's so much easier. But you're talking about me selling, and I always did this. When I was in the ring, and if I could convince that one person here, because you can't, when you're a babyface, you can't work everybody. You got to find that one person because that one person is everybody. You see? Mm -hmm. If I could convince him whatever this heel is doing to me, like Arn Anderson, you know Arn Anderson. In his day, he was awesome. What a hell of a worker! And and this guy's watching me, and Arn Anderson's asking me, "Punky, you okay? You know, I'm I'm, I'm selling Arn, okay? Boom, boom. Imagine what that guy up there in that balcony's right. thinking. And if I could do that, and when I sell, you notice I always did that. I'd come back and throw a couple of punches and just fall down, you know, because I've been beat the hell yeah. out of me. But people believed in that. Yeah. It's not about me coming out of the turnbuckle, doing a triple gator and landing. It was me making this guy on the front row believe what I'm, what's happened to me is real. I'd cry. You know, Arn Anderson's telling me, Jesus Christ, man, you're going to get me killed. Bobby Eaton, too, you know. Re reaching out to the fans. Oh, yes. Like, Help me. You know. <laughs> I'd, I'd pull that picture up, man, and show me Jay Briscoe. Will, it's, 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 it's a classic of we'll me out of the people, and it's got his feet in there. And uh, that's the best times. Yeah. Listen, there's a place in time for everything. And that's why I'm still around, because there's a place that somebody's going to want me to do this. To, not me. To teach somebody to do that, and, and, and I have, it, 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 I can't do it today. I like I tell him. I told him. I says, you know, we try. I can't teach you to work. You have to teach yourself to work. Mm -hmm. You know that. Yeah. I can't teach you to work. Yeah. And I don't have time to show you a headlock. Somebody else can do that. Yeah. But I can tell you, when you work it. Remember, every time we work, I always, even on the way back from the ring. If you did, just don't do that, stop, you know, yeah, yeah, you, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Next time, listen to the people. And it's still the day when I work. I do five things before I even ball my fist up. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's and really, I'm serious. He's, that heel's got to do five things to me to make me ball my fist. It's really cool. And this is something I, I hope I never forget in life is uh, every time, you know, either it's by myself or uh, with him or with Robert Ethan, uh, we always remind ourselves that if we can't give the fans their money's worth, then 
we shouldn't be doing this. And, 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 and mind you, he, he tells me this every time we're in Gorilla, you know, about to, about to hit, hit the music and walk out. He said, you always give the fans their money's worth or, right. or you don't need to be wrestling anymore. And that's, that's something that's, that really sticks to me because I, I see these, and I'm not, I'm not trying to like barn burn anyone. I, I just see these people that go out there and uh, they're like, oh, they, brother, I'm, I'm old school. And I'm like, no, I, I think you're just lazy. Yeah, you know? phony it in. Right <laughs> I think now. you're just phony and lazy. And, and, you know, and it still works, Chris. Everything does. Are you? You know, that, that's the main thing in our life. It, it, me and Robert are. You know, Robert, he's hurt. He can't hardly walk mm. from the years of abuse of robotics. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'm having the greatest opportunity. You know, he's third generation. Mm -hmm. You know, I, when I was his age, I spent my time with my dad. Too. That's cool. The greatest time in my life. And, and, and I know, and the people that's out here listening, you see, tonight, you and I, your mother, are going to go watch. And don't think I don't watch everything. Mm. I watch everything. Uh, even your bass player, mm -hmm. awesome. Thanks. Everybody is. Yeah. It's awesome. People, everybody's got a role. But before Chris walks off stage, everybody got their money's worth. Because yeah. mm -hmm. I'm in school. You do. I watch. You know, I'm in there too. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I do. You know, you have to to do that. You know, I'm a big Sammy Hagar and, mm -hmm. and a David Lee Roth fan. But, you know, they both played for Van Halen, but they were both different. Yeah. A whole different yeah. show. Yeah. But they never come off that stage, brother, until it was yeah. blistering. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You leave it all Blister. on the stage, you leave it all in the ring. Last question for you, Ricky. You've been a part of millions of them over the years. What's, is there a favorite rib that you were ever involved in that you can think of? Uh, I've I seen several of them, but, but I did this to a guy uh, <laughs> myself. and His name's Jeff Lewis. And he's, he does – I don't know if you ever heard of the Rise guys. They're out of Greenville, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. They're nationwide. You know, and I'm known because, you know, to me, you know, I, I buy I, – when used to, I have old cars. And if they broke down, I'd just leave them. Buy another car. I'm telling you, this happened more than a few you know, times. Just, you and, buy uh, old Oldsmobile. So about 4 o'clock in the morning, this is live on – he calls me. It's just – so and so, you got a car here on the side of the road, and I'm live on t TV, and he's talking to me, and I'm, you know, finally I said, "Man, go f yourself," and yeah. you know, boom, and then it hit everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it was a serious accident so, when they first blowing. So, but I seen this rib done before, so I did it myself. Uh, my buddy down in, and matter of fact, was in Greer, South Carolina. His name's Tim. He was a sheriff, so I did a little research on Jeff. Found out a girl that he used to date up in Asheville <laughs> and all this stuff here. So, uh, dude, this, this is right, the Academy Award. You hear me? Academy Award. When I'm sitting in the dressing room and he's sitting over there. All of a sudden, here come the SWAT team in. Straight. He, <laughs> but they knew his real name. And yeah. Joe's, he goes, oh, that's me. He goes, you know, girl, someone to die. Oh, yes, I do. I just said, we have a warrant for your arrest for assassinatorial rape. <laughs> and it's, he turned white, is that sheet. Mm -hmm. And he's going, bye, bye, bye. And he's just melting in his seat. And, and this is going on and going on. And these police officers, Jesus Christ, you can't believe it. I walked to her and said, damn, Jeff, 
you know what? You, you need to get you a good lawyer. I said, oh, you know, better not f- Ricky Morton again. Uh, <laughs> uh, and all of a sudden he went, you know, just, but this went on for, for 15 minutes. Sure, yeah. You understand me? And all they, they told him, it says, listen, uh, we can take you out of here or easy you out, uh, or we can drag you out of here. You know, uh, he says, well, my stuff. She said, we don't give a shit about your stuff in that right. bag. Uh, it was great. <laughs> he, he, we were in Japan together. Rock and Roll Express for Tenru, and he he sticks Ricky sticks a coin on his forehead, and then he hits the back of his head, and the coin goes into his hand, and he goes, "Now you try to the Japanese guy." He puts the coin on the guy's forehead, but he, when he moves his hand away, he takes the coin, but you still feel it because you yeah. pressed it in. This guy's hitting himself in the back of the head, like hard. <laughs> Like for 30 seconds, and he can't figure out why. The, he's straight face, and Robert is howling. Finally, the guy realizes that there's no coin. Oh, that was so, that was so great. Well, I dude, love Japan. Yeah. Well, you, you know, oh, absolutely. You know, Chris, before we leave here, I, I just want to tell you uh, thank you for having me and my son. Mm-hmm. I, and I enjoyed it. And I can't wait tonight. Me and Andrea. You know, Andrea, I've yep. been with her since Smoky Mountain. Absolutely. And uh, we're uh, all going to enjoy their show. His mother, by the way. Yeah. And we're looking forward to it, and uh, and I always do this. I love you. I uh, love you too, man. And congratulations, Carrie, on all your uh, success, and I can't wait to see where you go. And Ricky, always a pleasure, man. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris.